Phoenix Tales is a community celebrating everyday women overcoming extraordinary challenges in their lives, discovering the fire within and like the phoenix enduring the ashes to rise again. Each of you has a phoenix tale or a phoenix moment. As we create this community of women with grace and grit, share your own phoenix tale or your own phoenix moment on our website. We're honored to hear another story to welcome another phoenix. Today's guest is Julia Pline, a former dancer, now teacher of yoga in New York City. She describes how a cataclysmic skiing accident altered her physically, mentally, and emotionally. In spite of the grueling rehabilitation process, Julia learned what it truly means to appreciate her body, but more importantly, her ability to survive in a more profound way. Please welcome Julia Pline. Welcome, Julia. So I ask one question to get our conversation started, and the question is, has there been an event in your life, personal or professional, that was challenging, that might have redirected the course of your life? Uh, yes. In 2017, I sustained a pretty severe skiing accident, which absolutely altered the path that I was on and has molded me and still continues to mold me to the person I am today. So can you tell us a little bit about the accident and sort of the extent of the injuries that you suffered? So it was in January of 2017, and I was in Western Massachusetts. Unfortunately, not in a very fun, cool, interesting ski slope, um, but an icy one. And visibility was low that day. And it was just one of those freak accidents where I was going pretty fast downhill in skis and caught an edge, slid out on the ice and crashed into a tree. So as a result, I broke my right upper arm, my right collarbone, six ribs, and suffered a punctured lung and a lacerated liver. So that landed me in the hospital for almost two weeks. I had been skiing for a few months and totally beginner, but had a lot of really great lessons and had been skiing in Vermont and in upstate New York. And this particular weekend was about two weeks before my birthday. We went up to visit a friend and stay with her and just went skiing for fun. And it was the first run of the day. And again, the conditions were not great. And it was a low visibility, really foggy, and just started going out and boom, accident. I can imagine the shock of experiencing something like that and then ending up in the hospital. Can you tell the audience what it is you do for a living? Yes. So I, my background was in dance, which is what I went to school for. Uh, so I had moved to New York initially to pursue my professional dance career. But along the way, I had discovered yoga and I loved yoga for all of the amazing benefits that it did for me mentally and emotionally, in addition to physically. And I came to New York not only as a dancer, but also had done a certification in yoga. So for somebody who uses their body professionally, it must have been more than devastating for you, not just emotionally, but the realities of the financial landscape shifting as well. How did you cope with those first few months after the accident? 
before the accident, um, had been teaching at Kula Yoga Project, which um, has stayed open through the pandemic, and I still teach at Kula. And I had such a solid community there, and they set up a GoFundMe after the accident that helped raise money to pay for a lot of these medical expenses that came up. Um, and luckily, I had some things in savings, but I couldn't work for a couple of months, and that was really, really challenging. But when I wanted to get back into teaching, I was still recovering. I still had my arm in a sling. And I, it was almost like too soon that I had to go back to start making money again. But what it did was really force me to use my words and manage my energy in order to not burn out and still be taking care of myself while getting back into the swing of things. So, so for somebody who works in their body, I'm assuming that from a somatic standpoint that you can still feel the areas where your body's holding on to the trauma of that accident? Absolutely. I mean, so much happens when you get injured, but one of the things that happens is the map of your body that lives in your brain gets smudged. Kind of like if you had a subway map in front of you and you accidentally spilled coffee on it. And you wouldn't be able to tell what train would take you from Brooklyn to Manhattan. <laughs> so that happens in, in the body. Like, for example, with my arm, I had a really hard time sensing like where my arm was in space or recognizing feelings if it was pain that I was experiencing or muscle fatigue or a stretch. So that took a long time to retrain and redevelop. I love that you're talking about the healing aspect from a physical standpoint. And I guess I want to ask the question of what was the emotional landscape for you during this process? Such a, a great and deep question. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was first very scary. And I still have a lot of fear that um, luckily I have some really amazing therapists that I see and help me with that. But fear, guilt, guilt about, you know, being where I was on the slope that I was on, on the day that I decided to go skiing, very scared, a lot of anxiety and a lot of depression, a lot of sadness, being injured to not be able to move or connect with myself in the way that I could before the accident. So I had to relearn how to accept and to not be afraid to go in and just sit with my emotions and then eventually let them come out and, and talk about them. But really, the two are linked. The more you're moving your body and going into those areas that have been traumatized or injured, the more emotion comes out because the emotions are living in your tissues. And so from the standpoint that you are somebody who used the body as a way to express and also to feel, do you think that the accident has given you an opportunity to feel? You can view it as, you know, the event was unfortunate and very traumatic and potentially could have been very tragic. But that if you think about it, because you're, you were stymied in not being, in being able to move, that it, it afforded you this opportunity to experience your emotional landscape differently. Yes. I think in a lot of ways I had identified also with being a mover 
So it really forced me to take a step back and sit with who who am I <laughs> in many ways outside of just this physical being. I do feel like in the beginning, it was really hard for me to sense inside your interoception, like those feelings of knowing when I was tired or hungry or hot or cold, those internal signals were really frayed. And so that is something that's still coming back to this day because there was such a shock to my system. It takes a moment for me to really sit and connect with what am I experiencing? What am I feeling right now? Can you tell us sort of on the path of your own recovery? Because it's now, what, almost five years, right? Since the accident? Yeah, yeah. Where you are in that process of your own recovery? Yeah. So during COVID, uh, or before COVID, I should say, I was working pretty regularly with body workers, physical therapists, had a great acupuncturist and a mental health therapist. And then COVID happened and all that shut down. So I just started up being a physical therapist again. And it's amazing to me how much there's still in there to be discovered and uncovered. And right now, my main thing is um, improving my breathing and my mobility of my ribs. So I have hardware in my ribs, three of the ribs that fractured were so badly fractured that they needed to have rods put in them in order to stabilize them. So I'm dealing with things that are foreign inside my body. And that's also changed by my emotional state, how much stress and tension I'm, I hold and the weather and all these other factors. So I'm still working on all that. <laughs> so you realize that you're not healed is kind of your answer, right? That you are discovering that there's still more work to be done or more things for you to sort of face and perhaps experience. I like to think of it as instead of being like healed or fixed as a journey. And this was a big shift for me in my acceptance of who I am now, very different from who I was pre my accident. And I'm starting to view this as almost like a lifelong process. Because I imagine that even 10, 20 years down the line, I'll still be on this journey of healing. And maybe it's going to look different from how I am on it now. And can you tell us, because um, you make reference to these um, two, so there's almost a demarcation line of Julia before the accident and Julia after the accident. It's in some ways poetic. I know it's hard, but it's almost poetic that you truly have a demarcation line. And most of us don't, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you tell us what Julia was like before? And are there aspects of that Julia that you miss or aspects of that Julia that you realize maybe didn't serve you well? Mm, such a great question. <laughs> Still processing that. I keep coming back to this acceptance thing. Before my accident, again, I came out of a professional dance background and you have to be a certain way in a certain track with almost kind of had this image of like horse blinders on, really driven towards a specific goal or focus. And like any other professional athlete on one thing. And the accident took that and kind of blew it apart and forced me to really examine the parts of my life that I hadn't really sat with because I was so on that one track of going as a dancer. 
So I think I miss the part of me before accident that was a little less fearful or scared, you know, especially living in New York City. So I do miss that part of myself. And I feel like I am still Julia, this kind of carefree, relatively happy person, personality. But yeah, that that fear is a big thing. And I want to go back to something that you said um, about sort of the emotional landscape after the accident. Um, And fear was definitely one that you obviously brought up, up, and rightfully so, right? Yeah, yeah. But the other one that you mentioned, which kind of struck me, and I would love for you to sort of pull that thread a little bit for us, was this guilt. Yeah, guilt about being injured. And this is such a big one. So guilt about being injured or... And for me, it was like letting my family down. I remember one of the first things I said when they brought me to the hospital and had all these injuries. And I said to Ariel, you can't call my parents. Don't tell them what happened. I was so afraid to let them know that I had been hurt. And also guilt about, you know, in the morning, I remember having this feeling like maybe today's not a great day to go skiing or maybe we should wait until it's the afternoon when that visibility clears up a bit and it's guilt of like I made the choice to go even though I probably should have or could have waited and I think that what you just described is about listening to your intuition and I think many of us have had that experience of if I hadn't gotten in the car that day Exactly. And there was a part of you saying, you know, sort of from the inside, some deep, I don't know, some back part of your brain that was sending gentle warning signals like, don't get in the car right now. Don't get in the car. So from that standpoint, as somebody who works in uh, with bodies, but but also from the yogic standpoint of really learning to sit with oneself. Did that also make you question that idea of perhaps what you understood as sitting with oneself was not as fully fleshed out as it could have been? Absolutely. And it's much easier to roll out your mat and start doing asana practice than it is in many ways to sit and be with yourself in meditation. And I think. That could be, for me at least, is that that inner landscape is wild. It's like going into some wilderness where you don't have a map and you're not sure exactly which way it's going to take you. And that's a huge thing. And um, again, this is a major part of my healing now after the, the chunk of the physical recovery has been sort of gotten through or achieved, we could say, is sitting with this and and learning how to trust and listen and letting that be the guide. And do you feel as though that in some weird way, the accident was a gift because it's affording you this opportunity to sort of do that? Absolutely. And I think it's also a choice, right? When something really traumatic happens, we have choices. We could go down the path that numbs it out so that we never feel that pain again. Or we could slowly with help and support of others, try to ease in there and learn from that experience and let it change and evolve us. And it's a balance all the time too. I think I shouldn't talk as if I'm generalizing that this happens to all of us. Um, But 
for me, if something in my environment stresses me out, my instinct is to just numb out so that I can keep continuing on with my day or whatever I have to do and not let that thing penetrate my system and and bother me or make me look at my reaction to it. So there's days that I have that are like that. And then there's other days that I might be a little more sensitive or my partner will say, take a moment and like take a breath and sit with what just happened. So I'm not sure I have a a definitive answer as to how to constantly be aware, except for just being open to being aware more often. (laughs) And then during the rehabilitation process, which I'm sure was grueling and painful, both emotionally and physically and mentally, did you ever hit the wall where, you know, you allowed yourself to sort of wallow in the self-pity and say, I can't do this? Absolutely. And I, I really believe that's part of the, the, the healing process and the journey is having those days where you just sit with all of that emotion. And I, I think there's a lot in our culture now about, you know, positive energy or staying positive, which is great, but there's definitely something to be said with being with where you are at that moment. And it's a way to connect deeper with what you're experiencing, what you're going through, rather than just trying to sort of put that positive band-aid on top of it all the time. But yes, I had many days where I just questioned everything. What am I doing? Am I ever going to get out of this? And at that point, I would get up and take a walk. <laughs> what were yeah. some of the <laughs> remedies? Like, what, what, what would you say to a listener who's like, perhaps going through something similar, you know, and they have those days, what is the one advice you would offer them? To breathe and to whatever capacity that you can to move your body, because all of those feelings are inside and movement is one way of starting to change your energy. I remember vividly, it was February and I was able to walk And it was freezing in New York and I still had a sling and I just bundled up, put a coat on over that sling and I would just stomp down the block and I keep walking until I felt my breath ease a little bit more. I could clear my thoughts. So do what you can. Movement. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to ask, so um, because I know movement's very instinctive and natural for you, what was another tool that you used that didn't involve movement? Talking to someone. So I would pick up the phone and call a family member or a friend and just have a conversation. And it didn't even have to be about what I was experiencing. It could be something else, but it was a way of pulling myself out of a state that I was in and changing it. So you mentioned your partner a number of times. When something like incredibly dramatic and life-altering as your accident happens, it can put a lot of strain on a relationship. So what I observe is it goes two ways. Either it really solidifies the, the union of the two people, right? Or it can start to really, um, you know, whatever minor tears the relationship might have, it starts to really pull that apart. So can you kind of tell us what that experience was like for you in the partnership? Absolutely. 
So this accident happened about a year into our relationship. So we were still in our quote unquote honeymoon phase of just being together. And after it happened, he immediately came to the rescue, so to speak, and we really bonded and strengthened our connection. But I remember at the February mark, this was like three or four weeks after the accident, like Ariel had to take time for himself. And that's when my mom came in and stayed with me for a month. And Ariel was able to go and take a trip out West and have time and space for himself. And we were in connection the whole time, but I felt that was very important so that we could both process. And then when we came back, there was definitely a lot of ups and downs figuring out like how we are now. The dynamic has changed. You know, one of us has been through a really traumatic experience. The other one has witnessed the entire thing and has seen all of the the lows. And again, I'm fortunate that we it strengthened our connection, but it took a lot of intense communication and the the willingness and openness to sit with each other and express how we were feeling. And it's 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 great. And uh, it sounds like you guys have really worked it out because I think most people at some point would start the blame game. At some point, if I were having a really bad day, could in my own brain start the process of blaming my partner <laughs> for what had happened. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So. I'm imagining that you've ha- you had those moments and and I would imagine for him that there was a whole lot of guilt that he experienced. So how did you work through that personally in terms of not allowing your blame game to take over completely and to work through those emotions to kind of get to the other side? Talking and being open and, and honest and Again, we created a safe space for each other to express our emotions. If it didn't happen or it couldn't happen that we could be together and talk, I would write. And I felt the the writing and the journaling of my emotions and what I was feeling about our relationship and what had happened was extremely powerful because it was my way of fleshing out what I was experiencing. And then I could go and share that. And then we could transform from there. I think the easiest reaction is to be angry or put the blame on something else or someone, somebody else. And it takes a lot of uh, courage to just stop for a moment and take a breath and check in. Okay, what really happened? What could I maybe improve upon or do better to make this situation different? And I'm going to ask kind of a loaded question. Um, so the general stereotype of dancers is that they are driven and many suffer from, you know, the perfectionism syndrome. Given that that's kind of the world in which you lived, do you still have moments of finding it really hard to accept that you have these metal rods in your ribs and that you're not going to be able to move the shoulder as you had before? You know, initial, this is such a great question because this is something that, yeah, most dancers deal with and movers that are really into the body. Initially, 
there was a lot of that when I was going sort of in those emotions of why me and will I ever be able to recover? But now, honestly, I'm just so happy that I'm here. I have my arm, I have my ribs, I have my collarbone, and I'm able to move and breathe and do what I want to do. And I have community that supports me, a loving partner and family. And more importantly, I've, I'm coming into this acceptance of who I am now. And I'm going to assume that you went from A to B, right? There are probably no. lots of twists and turns. Yeah. yeah. That everything is changing all the time. And the moment that you think something is set in stone, it could be blown apart. We can look at this in terms of COVID, right? In the pandemic. I love what you said about, you know, you don't just get from point A to point B. In one of my um, physical therapist's offices, there's a whiteboard and there's a graph chart. And on the chart, the, the line is in this upward trajectory, but it has a lot of peaks and valleys as it's going along the way. And there's underneath it, it says healing is not linear. And so <laughs> this is it. I really do feel balanced, but I have days that I'm a little bit tipped to one side of that scale versus the other. And this is the the life really for all of us as it has these little peaks and valleys. And then you mentioned your mom. And I love what you said uh, about telling Ariel that to not call your parents. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> um, when I ended up in the hospital, I think it was one of the first things I said to my husband, don't tell my family, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I want to ask you this question too. Was there guilt for you in that? Yes, immense. And a sense of failure that I ended up in the hospital. For you, it's probably based on you made a bad decision. For me, it's I couldn't control my illness. So yes, there is guilt. And also tied up with the guilt is the sense of failure within myself. You said something that was really quite beautiful about gratitude. So the question that keeps running through my head is, would you have that same sense of gratitude and appreciation of your life as it is had you not had the accident? Had you just been living the way you had been living, and as you said, with blinders on like a, a racehorse? It's a different kind of gratitude. It's a little deeper in some ways. It's a gratitude for having a body that can do all of the things that need to be done without me having to ask. The breathing, my heart rate, circulation, digestion, the sensing of where I am in space. More deeply, because when you're injured or you had something happen, you really see how quickly that can shift and go away. And also a gratitude for the support and the love of the people in my life. Not that I didn't feel that before the accident, but it was much more apparent to me after when I needed help. That's a great place to end. So the very last question is not deep. <laughs> Could you name a song that resonates with you or perhaps in some way feels as though they wrote it for you or about you? And what is the song and why? Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know why, but my head is initially going to the Bee Gees. And <laughs> I love the song Shining Star. I just love the Bee Gees in general. But for all of us, we can all be shining stars no matter who we are. and. Yeah, 
It's like, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you've gone through, you can rise. You can make the choice to rise. That's amazing. Um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to ask you questions or learn about your um, private practice or your teaching schedule? Yes. Uh, so I have a website, which is my name, juliapline.com. And from there, I have a contact page you can get in touch. I'm also part of a virtual studio called Threes Physi Yoga Method. And that is on my website. There's a link to that where we have virtual classes pre-recorded and then some are live that are infusions of PT principles with yoga. And that's also the work that I do um, privately and in my group classes, which are still happening twice a week right now at Kula Yoga Project. But all that info is on my website. Wonderful. And so just... The audience knows that we have show notes, so they'll be able to figure out how to spell your name. Yes. Um, in order to find your website. Yeah. G-I-U-L-I-A. <laughs> but yes, yes, we'll be in the notes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you so much for doing this, Julia. Um, I've watched your recovery from afar and been really amazed and was a huge champion for how you did it with so much grace. And I, I know behind the curtains, I'm sure it wasn't that, but, you know, sort of what you projected to the world felt that way to me. And I thought that was quite remarkable. So thank you for taking the time to do this. Thank you so much. And thank you for creating this platform for all of us to share our stories and connect with each other. Really grateful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Phoenix Tales a show about women overcoming challenges and like the Phoenix to be reborn, their lives reimagined. Make sure to tune in to our next episode to hear another inspired story. I am Yuliana Kim Grant. The show is edited by Podigy. Music is by Ryan Pruitt. It's like a dream, so let me never wake up. I was so hung up on myself, just like a stick in the mud. A little time, a little patience when I got tired of waiting. Then I found that gem within me sticking out of the mud. And they gon' ask me why I do it, I'ma say this because. We gon' be the best on earth, just like we be out in rust. Pass behind me like a book bag, hanging down a coat rack. Focused on the future, not that coulda, shoulda, would have. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave your comments on the platform where you get your podcasts. If you think you have a Phoenix tale, please send us a note on our Instagram and Facebook pages. If you just want to stay connected to Phoenix Tales, once again, you can go on to our Instagram and Facebook pages to get all the latest updates.